Living Corporate is brought to you by the Liberated Love Notes Podcast, part of the Living Corporate Network. The Liberated Love Notes Podcast is a starting point for integrating self and community affirmations into your daily practices. The Liberated Love Notes Podcast center the experience of black folks existing in white systems and speaks to overcoming imposter syndrome, disrupting injected and internalized forms of oppression, embodying an abundance mindset, and building a healthy racial identity. Check out Liberated Love Notes Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, hosted by Brittany Janae Harris. Hey everybody, this is See It To Be It, the Wednesday podcast from Living Corporate. Living Corporate is a digital media network that centers and amplifies black and brown people at work. My name is Amy C. Wanninger and I'm the host of See It To Be It. When I was growing up in rural Southern Indiana, I didn't know people who went to college or who worked in professional roles. I didn't know what those jobs looked like or how to break into them. In many cases, I didn't even know those jobs existed. But this show isn't about me, it's about my guests. Every week, I bring you career stories from everyday role models in jobs you may not know exist. More importantly, the folks I interview share their perspectives as black and brown professionals in jobs and environments where they may be the only. My guest today is my good friend, Precious Norman Walton, who runs her own commercial insurance agency. But before we get to the interview, we're going to tap in with Tristan for some career advice. What's going on, y'all? It's Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting, and I've teamed up with Living Corporate to bring you all a weekly career tip. Have you ever heard of your resume painting you more as a doer rather than an achiever? If so, you probably were like, but what does that really mean? Well, when it comes to writing the description for both your resume and LinkedIn profile, you have to be cognizant of the picture you're painting. Are you painting a picture of a doer, a person who completes the task, or an achiever, someone who doesn't just get the task done, but drives results? All too often, we're painting ourselves out to simply be doers. See. Many companies are looking to our previous work history as an indicator of what their return and investment in us could be. It's essential that we show them what we did, not just tell them. And the way that we do that is by highlighting the results and accomplishments we've had while in those roles. In order to switch up the narrative, start adding in numbers, metrics, and outcomes. These help illustrate the value you brought to your organization while in that role. So instead of saying you managed a team, say you oversaw a five-person marketing team. Instead of saying you exceeded the sales goals, say you exceeded monthly sales goals on average by 15%. Adding in that information can sometimes be a little hard. That's why I always suggest keeping a career journal where you can write down your highlights to use later in resumes, LinkedIn profiles, and cover letters. If you need some help figuring out what you can include now, request a copy of your performance reviews. You or your boss more than likely put a few things in there that you can use. And remember that realistic estimates, not lies, are acceptable if necessary. Just try to be as accurate as possible and consistent whenever you speak about it. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. 
Living Corporate is brought to you by The Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network, hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert Neil Edwards. The Leadership Range is focused on having real, raw, soulful and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out The Leadership Range everywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to See It to Be It. My guest today, and I'm so excited about this, you guys. My guest today is my good friend, Precious Norman Walton. I don't have a bio to read for Precious, um, but I'm just going to kind of wing this one. So Precious is a the consummate insurance professional. She is a dynamite sales trainer. She is amazing in every possible way. And she and I met ages ago at a conference for insurance geeks and hit it off. And I just, every minute I spend with her, I love, and I think it's, you're going to really enjoy this today. It's going to be a real treat, but Precious owns a company called Lovejoy Resources. Is that right, Precious? One of many. Yes. So Lovejoy Resources is our nonprofit, uh, which is focused on insurance education. Also recently stood up our insurance agency, which is Lovejoy Risk Management. So similar name, slightly different focus. Got it. Thank you for correcting me and helping me through this. And um, so I just got to tell you, Precious talks about a lot of things. She talks about ethics and insurance. She talks about, you know, the details and the technical bits of insurance. She talks about sales. She is amazing. And so Precious, I want to welcome you officially to the show. Thank you. I am honored to be here. Uh, anything that you do, you know, I'm in full support of it. Amy is amazing. So it's, it's my pleasure to be here. So I want to talk to you. Thank you for that. I want to talk to you about um, about your career journey first, because like most people in the insurance industry, you did not grow up thinking, I want to work in insurance. <laughs> uh, you had different career ambitions and you kind of took a winding path to get here. Can you talk a little bit about how you landed in the insurance industry? And then we'll talk about your whole career in insurance. Yes, absolutely. So um, I think that is a, a common theme. There are a couple of exceptions to that rule that just right out the gate knew uh, that's what they wanted to do. My first insurance job, as a matter of fact, was working for one of those rare unicorns who went to school specifically for insurance and just knew that was his life's calling. I was not that way. Um, in school, I always excelled in math and science. And so my assumption was that my path was going to be down the road of engineering of all things. Um, so that's what I started off doing. And then somewhere mid degree, I had an epiphany and recognized that there's a difference between doing well in the classroom setting and signing up to do something perpetually, indefinitely. Uh, and so I didn't have a plan B. I didn't know what else I wanted to do. That was what I was groomed for. That's what I had been trained for. Um, so again, deep love of like physics and, and math and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so I was very fortunate that a company that I had interned with was seeking permanent positions in their home office. And so as a college student with no plan B and no budget to say no. I was made a, a job offer and I jumped on it. So I relocated from New Orleans, Louisiana to Wilmington, Delaware, so that I could sit in the home office of a company that specialized in corporate compliance. 
all of this was completely Greek to me. All I know is that it was a job, it paid relo, and it paid a salary, which is more than I had going on in the middle of my, my identity crisis. Uh, so I did that, and what I learned early on, because the company's focus was working with small business owners and entrepreneurs, that there are certain hurdles that all entrepreneurs face, regardless of the commodity that they um, sell, the good, the service, and among those were access to capital, access to benefits, you know, and how do you attract and retain the same human capital, the same level of talent that all of the major employers are able to bring on board. So that was kind of a, a seed that was planted early on that stuck with me uh, throughout my journey. So I, I worked in that environment. I worked part-time in the hospitality world for a while. I was basically waiting tables, you know, just kind of, you know, to earn some cash flow while I was away from home and, and didn't have much of a social life, to be honest with you. So I went from waiting tables to waiting on banquets to becoming a banquet manager all while working in this corporate environment. So I share all of that to say that, you know, humble beginnings and sometimes even confusion early on um, are still adding character, adding experience, and some of these life lessons that really transcend, you know, the industry. So that all happened in my early 20s. So, you know, a couple decades ago, uh, fast forward, you know, again, that love for problem solving for genuinely helping people is something that I had made my mind up that I wanted to do as a career. That was my opportunity to take all of these random things that I picked up along the way and use it to serve, you know, the people around me that could benefit from that. So started off, as I mentioned a moment ago, working for a local agency. And that experience was a real eye opener because I got to see how this intangible product, this mysterious decision that has to be made impacted lives. Uh, so while I was there, you know, unfortunately, I saw auto accidents, I saw homes that burned, I saw lives that were lost, and I got to see how the promise was delivered. And so that really kind of solidified that this is, this is where I belong. Um, so I've done many more things since then, but those were kind of some of the fundamental stepping stones that got me down the path. And I love how you say that the promise, you know, how the promise was delivered, because a lot of people don't, don't think about it this way if they've not worked in the insurance industry, but really that policy that you buy, you're, what you're buying is a promise to take care of you on your worst day. Um, and some companies are better at that than others. Some, <laughs> some deliver that promise better than others. I mean, let's be, let's be honest, but it's also some agents deliver that promise better than others because Agents who don't necessarily have a background in claims may not understand why claims get denied and may not know, you know, why there are coverage misses on the front end, right? They cause problems later. And so what I love about the work that you do, whether you're training agents or running your own agency um, or, you know, all of the ones that you've stood up in your career is you really take that approach of let's think about all the things that could go wrong and make sure that we're not missing anything. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, at the end of the day, the insurance policy is just that. It's this intangible. It's this promise that if I proactively do the responsible thing, if I maintain my payments, I hold at my end of the deal that on the worst day of my life that I can't even fathom right now, there'll be some light at the end of the tunnel. I'll have someone to advocate for me. I'll have somebody to assist me. We'll make it through. 
right? And so throughout the different seats that I've had the, the fortune to um, sit in, you know, I spent some time in claims, um, you know, I've spent some time in underwriting, but my home was really the front line. I feel like I've kind of come full circle a little bit because I've seen the implications when decisions were either made without all the necessary facts or when again, just poor decisions happen. And when reckoning day comes, <laughs> the day that you get the check or don't, that is not the moment where you're really gonna benefit from advice because we have no time machine. I can't take you back to before it all happened and, and help you you know, set yourself up for success down the road. So being on that front line, taking this, again, this complicated, intimidating decision and making it digestible and understandable because at the end of the day insurance doesn't stop the things from happening it just it's a method to transfer you know the the risk and the the responsibility and so is it something that you can transfer 100% absolutely not you know, you, you've got to have some skin in the game, but really taking a realistic view and understanding that for X number of dollars, you know, this is what I get in return should something happen, something that I hope never happens. And so if it were a guarantee, it wouldn't be <laughs> insurable, right? Because insurance can insure against things that are, um, with the exception of life insurance, because that that is going to come due eventually, right? Um, but again, my goal was making this information actionable because there's one thing to understand, it's another thing to know how to apply it. So really taking a prospect down this thought process and I'm not supplying the answers. I'm not here to tell you one-sidedly what it is that you need to do. It's very consultative and it requires the engagement the same way when you go to the doctor. If the doctor had a prescription in hand when I walked through the door without asking me what I've experienced, then how do I know that this is really going to solve anything? And so as a licensed professional, we take that seriously. And it's that same approach. I need to understand what's going on. How do we get here? How do we want the outcomes to change? And what things can we put in place, you know, to impact how that goes? You mentioned risk management, you know, one of your companies is a risk management company. And you mentioned that we can't avoid all the risks um, that, you know, insurance is there if something happens, but there's also a part of your business, you know, in this planning process that you do risk management where you actually, it's not just the risk transfer through insurance, right? But you actually help business, business owners or families think about in advance, like what can we do to lessen the possibility of risk, right? Lessen the, the uh, likelihood that something bad will happen. And also what can we do to lessen the damage if something does happen? Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, I think there, there are two sides to the same coin. You know, the only thing better than having a sturdy safety net is not falling. Right. And so if I can teach you how to walk the tightrope a little bit better, then we don't have to worry about what happens. You know, we do still put things in place, right, just in case, because, again, these are things we hope don't happen. But should they happen or if things happen beyond our control, um, it's naive to think that we can fully avoid all the twists and turns that, that come with life. Um, but all of our 
engagement start with this consultation where we're really just going to sit down and that's where the engagement piece and the awareness piece comes into play because I just ask the questions and oftentimes the, the buyer you know articulates things for the first time they hear it with their own ears and they're like oh that doesn't sound that great when I say that, you know, out loud. Um, so the whole concept of risk, you know, is all risk is not bad, right? Going into business, you know, when you have the risk of you can either win or lose, people wouldn't gamble if it was 100% chance that they could not win, right? And so we also have to make sure that we're setting ourselves up for growth and success and whatever that looks like for us as a household, as a business. So really talking through the ups side and you know where the boogeyman hides around the corner it's got to be an evenly weighted balanced you know approaching conversation and it's not a one-size-fits-all and it's not a one and done um, so when you first start riding a bike the training wheels are probably a little bit more necessary but as you become more proficient then we can look at you know mountain biking or street biking whatever it is you're going to do so having that relationship and just like any relationship there's got to be a level of transparency and trust because if you're going to be completely honest with someone without fear of judgment or ridicule or whatever the case may be you know we've got to have that that rapport in order for us to you know this has got to be mutually beneficial yes and I went through this process with you uh, on both sides of this coin right we sat down and we talked about you know, the risks in my business and, and what did I need to do to, you know, maximize upside and, and to, you know, mitigate against or, you know, kind of guard against some of the downsides. And then once we had that in place, then you helped me find the right policy for my business, which was, I, I'm going to guess not super easy because what I do is a little bit weird um, in the world. You know, if you take all the, all the pieces and parts of my business, it's not like, it's not one thing. Um, and that was such an eye-opening experience for me, even as someone who had worked in insurance, because there were things that I would, I didn't even think about, like, you know, if my laptop gets stolen at the airport, that's a work laptop that's not covered on my homeowner's insurance. Um, and I hadn't even thought about that before, even though I totally should have. So going through this process with somebody who knows what they're doing, who is licensed, who takes this very seriously, uh, I can't stress enough how important that is. And even if you're not a business owner, having your homeowner's insurance policy reviewed periodically, uh, renter's insurance, having that reviewed, making sure it's current, please don't rent without renter's insurance, my goodness. Um, and I know a lot of people you know, are in that boat, but it, this stuff really does matter and it really does keep you from, from devastation on top of catastrophe. Yeah, that, that is really key because there are so many things that, you know, it's the equivalent of kind of reading the labels, right, when you're grocery shopping, that I can read the labels and I can probably recognize what they are, but am I capable of kind of duplicating that on my own, even if I went out and sourced all this ingredients, is it going to come out the same? You know, the same way we rely on our financial advisors when it comes to financial advice, our medical community, when it comes to our health, you know, there's certain things that sure would probably be cheaper for me to try to go to an auto parts store and buy a filter and buy some oil and attempt to do it myself but the reality of it is with the infrequency that I do so and with how much is at risk with the investment I put into my car I would much rather give it over to capable hands 
when it's time to do these things. Um, I still have a say so, right? And I still can oversee the process and, you know, can ask for accountability and check-ins. But at the end of the day, there's a reason why, you know, with all the advancement in technology, you know, WebMD is no substitute for a visit to your doctor. And so being an informed consumer is critical. That's how you know the questions to ask. That's how you know, again, just kind of a ballpark idea of what the process ought to look and feel like. Um, but ultimately, finding that relationship-based professional where you can sit down, where you can understand what the long-term plan is. And so that is also part of the difference between a risk management relationship versus more of a traditional agency insurance agent is that this is more relationship versus transactional. And it's so much better for the long term to have that relationship because when things change, you know, you may not think that, oh, you know, I mean, usually when we buy a new car, we think, oh, something changed. I need to go deal with that, right? Because there's somebody at the DMV saying you have to have insurance on this thing. But other things change in our lives, right? Our kids get our kids get older they get their driver's license, they get older and they move out or their, you know, the risk goes down. Um, our businesses change, right? If we hire more employees and we have more payroll, that affects our workers' comp premiums. If we have more revenue that might, or less revenue in a year, that might affect some of our premiums and some of our exposures. So having a relationship ongoing with somebody that you can just kind of pop in and say, hey, how are things going? Tell me what's going on in your life, in your business. Those kinds of questions lead then to, you know, you might want to look at, at your coverages again to make sure everything's right. Absolutely. And, and I think about that, you know, sometimes the visual that I get is, you know, when the, the, the sliding scale, right, when things shift, and now you have to compensate for the shift, and the shift can be either way, right. And so, for example, you know, I just very recently wrote a LinkedIn article about is the juice worth the squeeze. And so this was focused on business owners, and really defining what success means what it looks like, and making sure that all of your decisions are data-driven decisions that lead you towards the destination of your choosing. Um, sometimes we make the assumption that there's just like this upward trajectory that, you know, there's this unlimited, you know, the more we hire, the more we work. It's just, you know, and, and we forget that there are some economic principles at play, right? Like diminishing returns. And so, you know, in a very simple uh, take on that, at some point, everything is going to peak. Everything is like a bell curve, right? And so as a, a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a professional, we have to identify at what point along that curve are we comfortable? Because at certain point, you know, you can open up the door and we want all the business in the world to come pouring in. Do we have the bandwidth for that? Can we really honor that with the same feel, the same quality, you know, if we attempt to mass produce, right? And so once you've kind of identified that, then you can be very strategic um, because there's always underlying elements in the equation that are going to change. If 2020 really taught all of us that. <laughs> That exactly. sometimes the change is internal, sometimes it's external, but being able to even walk out scenarios 
and different projections and say, okay, if these things remain constant and I change this one element, how does that impact the bottom line? How does that impact the outcome? And so working with someone who, again, sees these sort of things in greater volume, oftentimes we're able to kind of tell you what the trends are, kind of what we've heard, what we've seen, and how do those things apply to what you do? So connecting with like-minded you know, professionals and building out your core team of go-to professionals. So my um, encouragement to anyone who's in business is to build what I call your A-team, right? And so the first A is an attorney, a legal professional, because we forget that legal professionals can help you proactively as well as reactively. The day that you get sued is not the day you want to try to find who you want to work with, because you, again, you want to find professionals that are used to dealing with customers such as yourself. The second A is an accountant slash bookkeeper, your tax professional this is so much more complicated than it is when you're just handling your household. So having someone that can show you where you can save, where you can leverage, you know, having someone who specializes again in what you do is critical. And then that last A is your advisor slash agent, you know, from a risk management protection perspective, having someone in your corner. So these three A's or what I've coined as the A team, you know, is something that you can start building now pre-need, right? Because I want to kind of get a feel. I want to be able to, to kind of road test and make sure that we have rapport and that this makes sense so that I can rest assured that when the need arrives, I don't have to find someone, you know, at that point to, to assist me. So building the team is really, along with finances and everything else, part of what needs to go into really at the pre-launch stage when it comes to businesses. I'm so excited that you just gave advice that I've already followed. <laughs> Because usually you say something, I'm like, I got to write that down. I'm not doing that. And then I have this internal moment where I go, oh, shit, I got to catch up. So Precious doesn't think I'm stupid. And now I, I'm, I'm there. Awesome. You're ahead of the game. Right. Congratulations. I'm, I'm in it. So there I've learned. Go. I've learned from you. So, so Precious, tell us about, about Lovejoy Risk Management. What are your specific areas of focus in your business? Because you don't write everything and you don't match everybody to coverage. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so today we are primarily focused in the, the transportation and logistics space. Uh, so one of the things that we've experienced here in the last year is that when the pandemic struck and when the shutdowns began to happen, there were several pieces within that commercial insurance space that really suffered. I mean, I think it's no secret that tourism is having a hard time. Uh, the hospitality industry, hotels, restaurants, even some of the office spaces as people went to work from home, all of a sudden they were dealing with vacancies, broken leases. You know, some of these moratoriums, we're still waiting to see how that's going to pan out um, because I understand, you know, that we have to ensure that the vulnerable are not evicted, but these mortgage companies and these interests, you know, are still accruing. And so there's so much turmoil and there's so much that is uncertain. However, one of the one of these sectors that kept rolling, pun intended, um, were these trucking insurance. Um, excuse me, these trucking ventures. And so, a lot of the customers that we see and that we deal with, they may have been company drivers for a number of years, and they took their stimulus, they applied for a loan, whatever the case was. They identified that this was the season to strike out and get it done. So, the transportation space 
is one that I've always been close to. I'm married to a truck driver. So it's something that I've always kind of seen and, and heard kind of from the sidelines. But when I decided to open up our own agency, I wanted to focus not only on transportation, but more specifically, our niche is really the startups, the ones that need a little bit more guidance through this process, you know, because it's more than just buying a truck. And the same way it takes more than a good recipe or two to be a great restaurateur, it takes more than a good driver to successfully run a trucking company. So that is our focus and that is the bulk of the, the, um, the business model right now. I have to say, Precious, I was so excited when you started your own company for so many reasons. But one of the things that, that struck me when, when you decided to, to build this, aside from just how incredibly capable you are and that this was a no-brainer from everybody else's perspective that, you know, I know it was, I know it was a little scary in the beginning <laughs> for you, um, but, it, you know, we'd all seen you do it with other people's companies and see you do it on your own is amazing. Uh, but I want to call this out because I don't know if people realize this, less than 1%, at least based on the data that I have from a couple of years ago, less than 1% of insurance agencies are black owned. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, number one, where do you go for community and support? Because you really are this, I mean, you're kind of like this, <laughs> this glowing jewel in the, in this cavern, right? I mean, there are so few people in your position and how do you find community? Where do you go um, to be, to feel like your home in this industry, in this role? Mm -hmm. That is, that's a very good question. I appreciate that. There are so many different, um, angles, even within the, the insurance agency space, you know, there's a lot of, it's almost, it feels like a decision tree, you know, do you specialize in personal lines, do you specialize in businesses, um, do you work, are you a captive where you only sell one brand, are you an independent, and so everyone kind of stands under their own banner, <laughs> we all really at the heart of it, it's, it's similar, we're still, we're selling an intangible you know, commodity. Um, we most of us do so because we have a heart to help. Um, so that we have more in common than we have different, but nevertheless, there's these different silos. Um, so here in the last year, especially as I was preparing to open up the doors to our own agency and really thinking through thoughtfully, how do I share some of these best practices, some of these successes? How do I how do I climb and also pull someone up with me um, has led me to really, rather than recreate the wheel, kind of align myself with some of these, you know, initiatives that are already in play. So the National Association Insurance, uh, excuse me, National African American Insurance Association, NIA, um, here in the next couple of months, you know, there's more information that's coming down the pike where there has been more of a strategic focus on agency owners. So for the upcoming year, I've actually stepped up and I volunteered to be the agency development chair for the Dallas chapter for NIA. And so with this initiative, we're going to, again, assist Black agency owners or even aspiring agency owners on how they can um, tap into some of these resources when it comes to capital, 
access, you know, just kind of setting KPIs, game plan, again, the blueprint, the roadmap, you know, how do we share that so that more of us can benefit? Because the truth of the matter is, there is plenty to go around. So, you know, that question kind of comes up as well. Well, how do you help, you know, the next crop of people coming through without it eating into your market share? Like, are you giving away trade secrets that are going to make it harder for you to compete? Um, but my response to that is that the need is so great and that education, you can never go wrong with, with education because the more of us are out here just impacting one household, one business at a time to make better decisions, I, I can't see the downside in that. So yeah, that's kind of where I go to recharge, where I go to kind of share. And that helps me at this point, at this phase, age and stage, as I like to say, you know, I'm a little bit more legacy minded. You know, the things that I've done, the things that I've accomplished are great from an ego perspective, but how I share that is also going to impact people and, you know, generations beyond what I'll ever experience directly. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been putting a lot of my weight behind here. I'm also on a couple of different social media based groups, you know, I guess speak, um, you know, wherever I can get a mic and share info and there's ears listening. I'm there. You can count me in. I love that about you. And, you know, I want to, I want to say this because I, I feel like I harp on this all the time and I, there it's usually people are like, Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. But if, if, communities are underrepresented in the insurance agency space they are going to be underinsured mm -hmm. because we all know we all do business we we spend more time with people who look like us we are more likely to do business with people who look like us we are more likely to trust and have candid conversations with people who look like us and when only one percent of insurance agency owners are black that tells me that black business owners black homeowners uh black drivers are probably underinsured because they're not having real conversations with agents in their communities absolutely and you know i i, I will definitely say that you know the the presence of well, well the lack of of representation you know is, is really, it, it stands in direct opposition with the desire to, you know, just even support one another, circulate our dollars within our communities where it goes to, you know, developing, you know, growth, where it goes to developing jobs, you know, all of those wonderful things that, you know, go along with it. Um, so, but beyond the altruistic, well, I want to help someone, you know, with their business, when we just get to the core of the matter of, you know, when you have someone who has similar experiences, similar perspective, and and they can show you how they've been able to apply some of these, um, you know, best practices and get different outcomes. It, it just resonates differently. I know when I first got into the industry, you know, my oldest child who's going to college this fall still blows my mind to say that out loud. Uh, I was a single mom. Um, it was just her and I for a number of years before I remarried. And, and I used to have pictures of her all over my office. And as people would come into the office and, and you know, pick up 
ID cards or make a payment here and there, they'd see the pictures and it was an icebreaker. And so for the longest time, my warm circle, uh, my, you know, that um, for whatever reason, what I said resonated with, I was very concerned with single mothers, right? Because, you know, we would have those conversations about if something were to happen to you as the sole breadwinner, you know, as the custodial parent, or whatever the case may be, you know, do you have things in place, you know, that are going to help take care of business, because I, that was my life. That's where I live. That's what I did. And so being able to make the appeal, and they saw the pictures of my daughter. And so they knew I was speaking from a place of just genuine concern. Um, I was passionate about that. I wanted to make sure that people understood that if you're solely relying on what you have as far as benefits from your employer, how long have you been with them? And what's the likelihood that you're going to be there until retirement? Let's figure out something that you have a little bit more control over, you know, and so it made sense, you know, it, I was able to pitch it in a way it didn't feel foreign rolling off my tongue, <laughs> because yeah. that was my life. Well, and you know what questions to ask, and you speak the language of your client, and that makes all the difference. Absolutely. In building trust with clients and, and clients believing that you are invested in them and in their best interest. And, you know, it's not just about that family or that business, right? When people are underinsured, that affects whole communities. Absolutely. That affects generational wealth. It affects home prices. It affects, you know, I mean, it's, there are ripple effects when people are under or uninsured that cause severe damage beyond just their personal bubble or their business bubble. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm just, I'm so glad, number one, I'm so glad that you do this work because you're so damn good at it. Thank you. And you're so passionate about it. I, I love that you're the stand, you know, I, I just see you as the standard bearer for this kind of work. And, you know, two, I'm just, I'm so glad that you're out there looking out for people because man, we need you. Thank you. And you know, I, I think about how I stumbled into the industry. And when I had that moment when I fell in love, and I think about how infrequently this conversation is happening in our communities and with our youth, you know, I think still typically, if you poll your average high school graduate or, or, you know, new college student, you ask them to kind of rank what is a successful career, you still hear a lot of the traditional doctor, lawyer, you know, um, there may be some other you know, jobs that kind of um, have have made it to the list here in the last decade or so. Um, but insurance is very rarely on the radar. And when people hear the word insurance, um, normally what I hear first is, well, I'm no good at sales. Like, I don't want to sell, you know. And so when I explain to them that insurance literally makes all other manner of financial investment possible. And they said, what, what does that even mean? I said, well, you couldn't buy a house if you knew you would be on the hook for the balance of the mortgage if you ever had a house fire. You couldn't drive off the lot if you had to have 30K liquid in case you rear-ended someone. You know? And so when people hear about how pervasive it is, how it's everywhere, you just don't see it and you're not thinking about it. Um, and that there's so many different roles within this ecosystem. I'm not saying that everyone has to sell, um, but then at the same time, I do believe that no matter what role you're in, we're always selling, everyone's selling. You're selling your credibility, you're selling your reputation. Selling is just negotiating and being able to articulate your, your 
perspective and to give advice. You know, so I'm not a hard closer. I'll never arm wrestle anyone to do business with me um, because I know and I can recognize the value that I bring. And I'm also very selective on who I want to make that available to, because there's an opportunity cost with everything, you know, and so I need to make myself available and focused on the areas where it's going to make the biggest impact. I know, from watching you from interacting with you from being, you know, team precious <laughs> from pretty much the moment we met that you are having an incredible impact um, on the industry, on your community, just in the world. And I'm, I'm so, so happy. I get to call you my friend. Thank you precious for being on the show. Um, I know it took us a while to get, to get to this point because there've been <laughs> lots and lots of changes and, Absolutely. and lots of schedule conflicts and stuff, but I just, this was a conversation. I felt like it was so important for us to have on see it to be it thank you for being here oh my pleasure i appreciate the invite i'm glad we're finally able to make it happen and you know again whatever you do you know i'm your number one fan so i'll support you as much as i can so thank you again thank you living corporate is brought to you by the break room have you ever felt burnt out depressed or otherwise exhausted by being one of the onlys at work you know what i'm talking about Hosted by black psychologists, psychiatrists, and PhDs, The Break Room is a live weekly web show in the Living Corporate Network that discusses mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. Name another weekly show explicitly focused on mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. I'll wait. This is why you got to check out The Break Room, airing every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on livingcorporate.tv. Isn't Precious fun? What I love about this interview is how she focuses on, you know, creating really robust solutions on the front end for people for their coverage so that they don't have to worry about denied claims on the back end, which is where most people find out that they didn't do well picking their coverage to begin with. Um, And I have to tell you, what I love about Precious is absolutely everything. This woman is um, one of the most intelligent and insightful people that I've met anywhere, but especially in the insurance industry. If you have any interest in learning more about insurance or learning more about her work, please follow her on social media. You will not be sorry. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Living Corporate and share us with your friends and colleagues. And hey, you can really help us out by leaving us a six-star review wherever you get your podcasts. You may be thinking, Amy, there are only five stars in the app. Okay, give us all those stars, but then go the next step by leaving a couple of sentences in your own words, telling us what you liked about the episode or the series. Don't forget to visit living-corporate.com to learn more about our other podcasts, videos, web shows, and more. See It to Be It is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a certified woman and LGBTQ-owned business dedicated to helping organizations win the long competition for talent and customers. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. That's it for this episode of See It to Be It. This is Amy C. Wanninger, and I'll see you next week. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. 
Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.